The business of healthcare is seeing tremendous change. Having dealt with the pandemic, seeing an aging global population, we've got digital transformation. There's also the balance between security, privacy, and the sharing information. All of those things are mission critical to the smallest clinics, all the way to the largest healthcare provider organizations. Also, how the people within the healthcare space, we're talking to doctors, nurses, and patients, but also we're talking about the admins, folks in finance, insurance, facilities personnel, we also have families. How are we all adapting to these changes? Because at some point, all of us are impacted as users of healthcare. Uh, we have IT folks. How are they having to manage and help facilitate all these changes? Do they, do you, continue to plan with a mentality of inside the walls and outside the walls? types of innovations and changes that are coming? Or, or are you changing your mindset? How do you balance your tech changes? Things like cloud adoption, uh, VDI, logging in on shared devices and machines. How do you balance that with the real world impact that those changes could have on the day-to-day -day activities of people that are utilizing that tech? Some of the aforementioned titles. Uh, so a lot to discuss and talk about. Those are a few of the things that we're going to try and tackle on this episode of our Connection Tech Experience Solutions Podcast. Hey folks, James Hillier joined by two from iGel Technology, Carl Gersh on board, VP of Marketing for North America, and Chris Feeney, the Senior Pre-Sales Engineer, Channel and Team Lead. Little background here, iGel OS, it is the next-gen edge OS for cloud workspaces, really improving user productivity and security, all while simplifying endpoint management for healthcare enterprises everywhere. We are going to chat a little bit about the OS at a high level, and then later on, I'll give you some contact information so you can go a little bit deeper into the tech. I also want to talk to Carl and Chris about the evolution of iGel as a company and tackle some of the changes, again, that I laid out in our intro there. Chris, though, as we dive in, let me, um, let me lay out a truth, if I can. I think this is something that you, Carl, me, the audience, that we can all agree upon. Coming out of the COVID pandemic, remote work in various forms will continue in the healthcare space. However, COVID wasn't the only catalyst that initiated that change. And as you see it, Chris, and I want you to, to share this with our audience here, several factors already moving in the healthcare industry, and, and this being an industry that hasn't always been the quickest to adopt new processes and technologies, uh, really, really, again, a lot going on in, in catalysts that started before COVID to get us to a point where we're seeing the industry that we see evolving today. You know, initially with 2008, the, the market crashed and the High Tech Act was passed. And that gave incentives for healthcare organizations to go to that electronic medical record. And that's when we started seeing in my prior life, uh, they started looking at best of breed and said, no, we need, to, we need to shorten it down to one thing. So that's when we started seeing the rise of the Epics and the Cerners and the Meta, just and getting that in place. And then meaningful use dollars are signed to getting that going. And then, of course, what was another catalyst? Um, certain things expiring, getting that rolled out, and then adding in components where now we're getting paid differently. Introduce the pandemic, well, crud, what do we do here? Uh, and that has allowed uh, some of our partners, like uh, the Citrix VMware, those that enabled this to, you know, we already those platforms were, were available. But the thing that I thought about was, what would we have done if the cloud wasn't there in 2020? 
the rise of Azure, the rise of AWS and those data centers and those capabilities, um, I think the proving ground for a lot of that was getting email into the cloud. You know, it became the thing where that was, you know, it used to be on-prem, all that went there. And then now we're seeing that shift to Windows in the cloud and then Microsoft embracing that and seeing, you know, supporting products that can help them collaborate. Uh, the rise of Teams, there's a, I know there's a quote out there from the Microsoft CEO sometime in the in the you know early part of the pandemic where they just saw a massive uptick in the rise of these collaboration tools uh, being used not just for some of those uh, roles that you don't necessarily need to have them in the office. They can work from home, they can do billing, they can answer calls, they can do that, be productive, um, but to be able to rely upon and quickly enable. Here's a case in point. Um, I got about a month and a half ago, I saw uh, an email thread come my way and it was a customer. They're, they're about to go with their Epic Go Live. These are big things, right? They, they keep, they, you know, they got to hit those and they're about a month or so out. And um, what happened? Why did they all of a sudden become a hot potato? Well, um, they were looking at their on-prem horizon architecture and they decided that they would not invest in the maintenance contract for that on-prem architecture from a vendor. I won't use their name at the moment. And they decided, let's shift to the cloud. And they put that in place. Well, one of their vendors wasn't ready for that. And it just happened to be one that integrates with iGel. And all of a sudden, it was like, oh, my gosh, what do we do? We can't get them to that place where we need them to access that EMR and be able to use that. So it came our way and just happens that we were actually working on a special project to enable that type of thing. And now they're testing and validating and giving us some feedback on it. Um, ultimately, the goal is to begin to use that. But they shifted to the cloud because they chose to not invest those dollars in that on-prem architecture. And what has that also given rise to? Well, certainly during a pandemic, you know, you can scale quickly. We saw um, DHHS, that was coming federal. Um, when they had it, they had remote workers. They were trying to, uh, they had laptops. They couldn't get them updated to Windows 10. And they're still running Windows 7. So they said, we're going to go with a, um, a virtual desktop in Azure. And what is it? And so they were able to rapidly scale you know, 3,000 machines or more, whatever. And so that's the power of the cloud. And so that, I think, is is definitely uh, here to stay and, and certainly more to come. And Carl, that is one of the observations that uh, one Chris is alluding to. I've seen it, had it in plenty of other conversations. The low-hanging fruit projects of cloud computing for a lot of organizations are now in the past, right? The last two to three years, they were really able to start moving uh, meaningful not that the, the first projects weren't, but more meaningful loads to the cloud and seeing it was working. I also, a lot of people started re-imagining uh, and looking at VDI again, which had gone through kind of a hype cycle and then a drift off. I mean, I'm thinking back in the day, Sun Microsystems and VDI and all this, and then all of a sudden, big time, uh, come back and, and look now. And so there is a lot of focus on that, which is going to lead in, in a few minutes. We'll dive a bit deeper into why we want to focus Focus on iGel and, and the operating system here for uh, right uh, edge systems and, and, and cloud uh, enabled and connected devices. But that changes the observation. We've been having those conversations here. Same observation you have? Yes, yes. Actually, and it's interesting because you, you posed the thorny question earlier. You said, so what does this mean for inside the wall and outside the wall? And, and, and I'll, I'll throw that back to you and say, what if we, what if we got rid of the wall together? Right. And by that, I mean, if I, was, if I was to press you more on, on that delineation, right, that distinction you're making, I say, what do you mean by inside the wall, outside the wall? You, you would likely, pour words in your mouth here, but you'd likely come back and say, well, 
inside the network, there's there's stronger security, right? We have easier ability to manage the devices inside the wall, right? We have maybe more control over the user experience inside the wall, and and the concern is that when someone goes outside the wall, as it were, that 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 the security issue becomes of greater concern, right? The ability to manage devices becomes of greater concern. The user experience becomes of greater concern. But the the flip, and and I'm not seeking to be glib, but right, but the flip answer maybe is, what if we what if we just stopped thinking about this wall, and we 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 came up with a solution that was able to provide security for people regardless of where they were, right? That gave us the ability as as IT professionals capability to manage those devices regardless of where they were. And fundamentally, you know, gave us the ability to, to have deliver a great user experience irrespective of your location to said wall, right? And I think fundamentally we look at what IGEL is seeking to do, it's 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 a, it's around that vision. Right. And I'm not looking at, you know, I mean, we get into it in a little more detail, but it's I think that's one of the things that organizations have to realize is that, that wall, that wall's gone. And 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 the idea of let's put it back up probably isn't isn't progress. We need to think about where do we stand today. It's a mindset wall more that I see, right? Because the physical walls, but that's how a lot of folks in this industry, and Chris even mentioned it, right? Healthcare industry slower to adopt things. Healthcare, not the only slow to adopt. The financial services industry at times can be slow to adopt. Also regulation. What does healthcare have? Regulation. So there are reasons that people have an older mindset. The technology, I'd argue, easier and probably, yeah, much closer to the world that you're positioning, Carl, that we don't have these walls or we shouldn't. And we have the technology that can rebuild this. We can do this in the new manner. But there's that mindset. So it's how do we get out there and change that mindset for folks and let them realize that maybe we should be utilizing that across wherever and really truly mean wherever work instead of thinking about in the office and outside the office. Right. And I think and and, and that's a, it's an excellent, excellent salient point. And it goes back to kind of what we were saying earlier, right, that that if we waited for this to happen in, in a natural environment, it would probably take 10 years. Um, you know, we had we had a global pandemic that forced organizations, many of whom, again, in and out of of healthcare, would have, you know, in 2018 said, "Listen, this technology, this this virtualization technology is not really going to work for me. It's not. I need line of sight to my employees and things like that." Right? We that 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 went away. Right? There was there was there was there was governmental mandates. Everyone had to work from home, and and regardless of sort of the oldest mindset CEO there could be, suddenly had to was forced to. Except one of the things we heard that was interesting and uh, maybe rewarding on one hand, maybe a little frustrating for guys like Chris and I have been doing this for a long time, is that you know people came to us. You know, I can't tell you how many times in 2020, 2021, I heard you know executives, non non-technology executives, right? You know, VPs of sales, you know, operations people say, hey, this stuff actually works. People can be remote and be productive. Doctors can be using telemedicine to diagnose and things like that, and it actually works. And and Part of us were like it was. I think it was a sense of of like excitement. Like yes, there's maybe perhaps a little uh, bit. We've, of, been, we've known this for a while from the technical side, right? We've been preaching it for the last you know 20 years that that you could there there was another way to do it, a better way to do it. And it took it took again a perhaps a, a global pandemic to get everyone going um, to to be able to to we for, sort of forced them to do it, and suddenly you know they did. You know, they, they, they adopted. It's like it's like when you have children and you, you say, hey, try this, you're going to like it. I don't want to try it, I don't want to try it. And then you force them to try it and they go, oh, I actually did like it. And you say, yeah, I thought you would. You, you know, it's interesting I, on that. I, I, I think about what 
other things have we adopted in that, that span of time, right? We, we know, I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to do, I mean, my career the last, you know, almost 20 years uh, is, is fully capable because of things like WebEx back in the day, right? I could work anywhere and essentially I just need an internet connection. Now it's, it's much easier. I, I literally uh, went to an event yesterday and, you know, my phone was blowing up and I got on the Wi-Fi, I fixed whatever it was. And, you know, all I needed was internet and, you know, that's, readily accessible anywhere, including my phone if need be. But one of the things that struck me was, um, you know, acceptance of some new thing, right? Uh, Europeans had already been using the uh, chip card for payments and stuff like that long before it was here. What really kind of moved it in the direction? Uh, well, it was regulation, partly banking acts or whatever, but also some other things about, uh, you know, that there was a target hack, right? And uh, that kind of, I remember that was a big catalyst that forced them to start using that chip card. And now it's gotten a hold. Remember when you first started using it, it was really, really slow. And why was it taking so long? Now it's a whole lot of you just tap. And all these things begin to advance because it's so much easier. But it's also security is not being, you know, left out the door. And so I think to the point we're making here is this stuff does work. And all this other stuff even rise to lots of other products to make sure that the user that is accessing the system is who they are. And there's multiple ways to do that, but also make it easy from a technical uh, side to be able to use that technology. There's, there's that old, there's an old chestnut that one of the most dangerous things for, for any organization is the phrase, we've always done it this way. Right. And, and I think that, that, you know, we can look at that and, and, and it, it is, there's some truth to it. Right. But, you know, in this case we had, we had a catalyst that was unavoidable. That, that push people forward and um you know and now as, again as we look forward and we say okay you know how do we want to move what what's what do we have to address moving forward what's going to make this work better right what's going to get us to where we need to be you know what's going to bring us not just parity to pre-covid but additional benefits that's really what, we, what i think organizations should be looking at and let's look at that now then because that's what i want to spend the rest of the time focusing on is for uh the the individual that's listening and saying look i've got it now maybe they know they've got executive buy-in from the non-technical side that they kind of get it and they're doing some i think a lot of organizations that i talk to now guys are doing a little bit of it i'll, I'll use it because it's just fun to say the great reset we've had the great resignation the great recession we've had all these things right so let's call it the great reset people are stopping for a moment and saying, I still do have some of those Windows 7 machines out there, or even Windows 10 now, because we've moved on um, into the, the 11 world. We are looking at people that uh, took old laptops and just threw them out into the world because they needed to. They needed to get people home. Uh, some of those people are still working on those machines that called up, you know, got called back into active duty. So what are some things that our teams, especially within the healthcare space, are starting to reset and look back at and saying, okay, we got through it, but this is how we want to really, you know, move and thrive forward. What are they looking at, Carl? You start there. What are some of the kind of reset things? How are they going to and should position themselves to move forward? Sure. You mentioned VDI earlier. One of the things that that I've I've heard and we've been we've been talking about, we we did a large roadshow in 2022 visited 12 cities throughout the U.S., talked to customers. Um, you know, one of the comments that was made was the year VDI is the year we stop calling it VDI, right? And, and the, the analogy is that, you know, all of us on this, you know, probably everyone listening to this podcast has a smartphone, 
I'd pause it to say that we don't call it a smartphone anymore. We just call it our phone because the smart has become assumed. We all have smartphones. Um, I think we're seeing as it relates to being able to access your applications, your desktop, your data from anywhere, that is going to become the table stakes. That's going to become the norm. The same way we all have smartphones is the norm. Now, the question that comes up at that point is if we were able to deliver everyone's application, their data, you know, to to whatever device that they're using, what kind of device should they be using? What what becomes priority at that point? Um, you know, with all due respect to Microsoft, and I, and, and, and I mean that sincerely because, I mean, certainly there's been no other organization in this business that has sort of shaped the destiny of technology than Microsoft. Um, you know, the, the fat client operating system really, you know, starts to show, I think, its age. Because the fat client operating system was developed at a time, you know, in the 80s and then refined through the 90s, and they continue to re revise it. But, you know, where you needed the applications, the data, and everything to reside on the device itself, we worked under that paradigm. Um, you know, as we look forward to in, into 2023 beyond, you know, it sort of raises the question, do we need a fat client operating system anymore on those endpoints? And the challenges that come with the fat client operating system are things like the, the security, right? For first, first and foremost, right? So the or the lack thereof, or right? So so how do you secure those endpoints? And in fact, client operating systems oftentimes is deficient in that area. Um, you know, how do you manage those endpoints? Again, a fact, client operating system wasn't really designed to be managed at scale over 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 a wire, right? So 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 the management aspect of those is is, is challenging as well. And then again, the user experience and. You know, if anyone's ever had the pleasure of working in, in help desk, especially level one, you know that user experience is, is, is really important and never underestimate a user's ability to, you know, break something. So, so I think the, the question people listening to should be asking is like, okay, if I move to this new world, do I, do I still need a fat client operating system? Is that the modality I want? You know, if I step out of technology, I always, you know, example I like to use to talk about Netflix, right? Like Netflix never put out a box. If Netflix put out, like, you know, right, like you don't need a Netflix box, even saying those words sounds odd because we've all accepted the fact that, hey, Netflix is a service, and then I can pick the device that I want to use to, to accept that service. I would say in healthcare, if you're picking a device and that device is run by an operating system to use the services that IT is providing, you know, what you should be looking at is, is a device that has an operating system that is secure, that is easy to manage at scale, and that delivers a great user experience. One of the things that is, is you're talking about thick clients versus then I'll go back. I even mentioned Sun Microsystems back in the day. You think about some of the thin clients. There were some uh, woeful experiences that people had using thin clients, that those machines were not robust enough to do the work that was needed then. And, and we weren't usually asking power users back in the day to use thin clients. And now we've got, especially in healthcare, you've got folks that may not need to be on site somewhere, but they want uh, the experience of a workstation or need it. They're doing research. They're doing things like that. And I think back to your comment, Carl, of, well, that's just the way we did it. You're saying, okay, maybe people should think that they don't need a thick client. They're thinking the alternative we had back in the day wasn't there. So, Chris, the 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 look back at thin client is that then the answer, or what is the modern answer? If we know that thin clients in the past really didn't perform as probably needed for a lot of the the workers today. That's a great uh, lead into kind of what 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 we're seeing emerge. Uh, so we you know as Carl alluded to the the term fat client is sort of an industry known 
you know, what does that actually mean? And then, of course, uh, when the rise of virtualization came about, uh, do we really need that on the end? A thin client, right? A thinner, you know, lighter, easier, all these various things, right? But, uh, you know, easier to manage potentially, not a great user experience when things began to, you need those power users. And so what other option is it? And so what we've seen is, as the rise of, you know, the cloud and cloud computing and the power behind there uh, with, with what you can put out there. Like, for example, I'm using a, a Microsoft virtual desktop in the cloud and looking at what's behind it. It's got 16 gigs of RAM. It's it's enough from a, my point of view to be able to give me what I need to do and then some. Um, and then, of course, if I needed more than that based on my job, I, I could certainly do that. But what we're starting to see is the rise of what we're going to term the fit client. This is where we have our vendor partners uh, that have come uh, to really begin to work with with iGel. And if you saw literally this week, we put out a press release uh, CRN article. Basically, iGel is moving out of the hardware business. What we've been known for is a German Mercedes-Benz type, you know, thin client vendor that had excellent hardware that will last for years and years. We're getting out of that business because we are focusing on more of the operating system, the security, the management, as well as the user experience. Um, but where is that operating system going to reside? And you know, for me, I uh, I like to travel with, you know, some of our partners, these laptops, right? Because I can take this and I can do the Teams call. I can do calls like this and make sure that the endpoint itself running the iGel OS can handle the offloading of the of the Zoom and the and the WebEx and the um with the camera and it's it just things just I plug in I plug in this headset and it just works and using a Windows a familiar interface a Windows desktop or a browser whatever. Um, a great user experience. I can actually get work done. Uh, case in point, yesterday, one of my part, uh, colleagues, we were at an event, and his Windows laptop battery died. And he had this iGel laptop. He fired it up, and uh, because I had put Edge on it for him, he just logged in and finished doing his email from a browser on an iGel device that was ready to go and also had 40% left more battery because it doesn't suck the battery life as much. So all these benefits, but we're really seeing the rise of these vendors and what we're calling more the fit client. We've gone through these different eras and and that's really what it's going to come down to. If cloud computing is becoming the thing, and we believe it is certainly, and we're poised in a right spot for that, at the end of the day, none of that's going to matter if the endpoint isn't able to handle that in a usable fashion. And that's why we're thinking the, the fit client is a much better term to use. I want to build off of, of Chris's comments. Then, you know, I, I, first of all, it warns me when I hear him say fit client, because that has been, uh, you know, a term that, I, that I, I've been using to try and describe Agile. If you visit our website, you don't see the word thin client appear on the Agile website. In fact, we see Agile as an operating system being deployed on devices, you know, that are relatively robust. And our operating system itself is relatively robust. So we, we really, you know, we shudder a little bit. We say, oh, you're a thin client company, because while that may have been how we got started 20 years ago, that is not where we are today. Right, the Agile operating system has over 140 integrated technologies from other vendors in it. Um, you know, it is able to handle things like Teams offloading and video offloading and, and that sort of thing. So, so Thin Client sort of, I don't think, does justice to the work that our developers have put in to creating an operating system that it gives you enough operating system to get done what you want to get done today. Right. So it's not, you know, again, it's not a Thin Client. It's not a thick client either, and and again, I, I think in between somewhere between fat and thin, you got fit, and uh, you know that's uh, that's that's where we're what we've what we've developed and we're going to continue to develop. Where are you seeing folks looking at 
the iGel OS? Are they looking at it on newer devices as folks are? As I said, you know, some people are resetting and saying, okay, hey, we got to do something. Are they looking out buying newer boxes and having the iGel OS on it? Or are they going back and saying, look, we've still got some life out of these other machines that we've put out there. Again, maybe it's a Windows 7 machine or uh, an older Windows 10 that they're saying, we still want to get some life out of here, That, but moving over to the iGel OS might give us that better. What What are you in general seeing, Carl? Yeah. So, I mean, it's funny because, uh, you know, the, the answer is yes. Right. The answer is yes. So the, the beauty of iGel is that as an operating system, I mean, it, the 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 requirements for the device are are not nearly as hefty as, as, you know, Windows 11. So do we see we see customers, the typical customer deployment is sort of a little bit of everything. Right. They're, they're looking at repurposing existing devices they have with iGel and getting the benefit of that. Right. And reducing the e-waste. I always talk about it. You know, I call it the tyranny of the three year refresh cycle. Where like every three years you got to buy everyone a new computer, you know, just to maintain sort of parity, and 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 the and and people say, oh well, you know, you could save money. I said, well, okay, let's face it, I've never met an IT team whose budget wasn't like trying to fit a twin size sheet on a queen size bed, right? So if you can save money on, you know, having to buy new PCs every three years and push it out to every five years, or push it from every five years to every seven years by using Agile, that gives you some benefit. As you have to in you know ingest new devices or you have new requirements. Um, one of the areas we're seeing iGel being deployed is is on laptops, like Chris just showed, right? Now, a thin client laptop always seemed like an odd thing, and that's why we're not really a thin client, right? It, an iGel-powered laptop, you know, is a relatively powerful device. It gives you access to all of your cloud resources. It gives you, I mean, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're you're using your Windows environment right now for this for this this session, right? So yeah, I mean, it's remoting to that. It, it's. Uh, uh, We've been, Carl and I have been in the end user computing world for a very long time, and we've seen a lot of the shifts, but it really, at the end of the day, especially in healthcare, it has to be able to work, and it has to work all the time for that busy doctor and nurse and other specialists, where where do they go to school? So they learned, uh, went to school to learn healthcare. They didn't know technology. Technology is a part of it in terms of the things that they might use to deliver patient care, but if they walk up to a device, it has to be a great user experience. It has to be reliable. They can't be sitting there getting, you know, prompted because some some thing is getting updated and then it's going to reboot the machine or whatever when they're in the middle of, you know, a crisis in the ER or something, you know. And so uh, those devices, you know, what we're seeing, and if you if you read that article that that Jed put out, it's it's really the the flexibility, uh, save a ton of money by certainly repurposing a lot of devices. But it really comes down to great IJO. You walk into any healthcare facility, there's tons of devices where IJO could be installed on it. That's fantastic. Will it meet the use cases that I actually need it for now? I've moved things to the cloud and I need teams to work over that. But is that device that can handle IJO because it doesn't require much to be installed? Can it deliver that user experience? Or is it much more usable as a, a dashboard where I'm just putting stuff up on the screen, visible, see what's going on with the patients, uh, or maybe a um, a display board of various things, giving me time to rethink what is my strategy going forward. You know, I look at uh, some of our partners uh, in in this space that we've worked with now, HP, iGel, um, uh, LG, and and Lenovo. They've got fantastic devices with really cool things built, purpose built for healthcare. For example, touch screens, pop up. I'm looking here. One of our customers that that presented um, at the Big Hims conference in Orlando. They 
uh, using LG is one of their things that a pop-up thing that they were using the camera for telehealth. And just for them, it was a great user experience because the doctor could stare at the camera and also see the patient. It wasn't going like this all the time, back and forth, trying to figure. And they just, the form factor um, and, and also the size of the monitor to be able to do that and see things. And those are the things where I think we're going to see where this shift where um, variety of factors. They, all right, we're going to save money here. All right, now we're going to spend it in the cloud and then now rethink our endpoint strategy going forward. Carl, if I am an IT guy, roll out a bunch of IGEL OS on a bunch of machines, let's take a hospital setting. Don't tell anybody that I did that. Do I have to provide a bunch of training or can those doctors come in? They just start working on stuff. The nurses start working on things and I might get one or two calls to the help desk or I'm getting a flood of calls. The idea is the compare contrast. What's the difference of the experience working off of the iGel OS compared to what someone is very familiar with, the Windows world? Sure. And, and I, there's there's a great, great story that we were telling during our Disrupt Roadshow um, in conjunction with VMware. I, I can't say, cite the client, but they had one, one this client came to VMware, they were using the Horizon um, virtualization suite. And they started rolling out, you know, idle devices with Horizon. And what they found was that not only was everyone really happy with that setup, but people that were on the older setup of using a fat client started looking over and saying, hey, what are they, what are they using over there? Because that seems to work better, right? It's, it's faster. It's easier to use and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I'll say that, that there's, you know, I worked in consulting for a number of years. Uh, we had healthcare clients. We had financial services clients. I mean, one of the requirements was that you had to drop the device in. People had to sit down and, and, and just be able to get to work, Right. The the applications we've learned it like we learned it uh, we learned it and we learned it again with mobile and we're learning it now right it's all about the applications and be able to get to your applications as quickly as possible um, if we think about the typical user experience with with a, a traditional fat clients like launch the fat client wait the minute and the ninety seconds a minute and a half for that to boot up for first experience right then launch your VDI session wait for that to load up right and then and then suddenly you're, you're working. Right with iGel, we're we are we are one announcement away from you. Press the button and turn the device on, and then you're in your session, right? And and that to me is I think is is really really powerful. There's another element that that you that you sort of allude to with this too, though, which is you know there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of change going on within the the cloud space, right? Is it is it which cloud provider, which virtualization provider do I want to use, and and what's involved if I decide that I want to make a change? Right, that I want to go from one cloud provider to another. What kind of training? What do I have to do there? And and one of the things that makes Agile really powerful is that number one, we simplify the user experience. We say all the time, you don't want to navigate Windows to get to Windows, right? You want to just get to Windows essentially. And really, truth is, you want to get the applications running on Windows. So with Agile, we've we've already eliminated that. Um, we're getting really close to just press the button, press the on button, and you're in your your virtual session. Um, the other the other benefit though is that if you decide that for a specific use case or for your organization that you want to switch from one you know cloud provider you know to another right that you you can from the administrative console of Agile just change that out and for the user they they come in Monday and they press the button and suddenly they're in a session from cloud provider A and then you know Tuesday if that's your go live day they come in they press the button and boom they're in cloud provider B now they it could be it's, it's all but transparent to the user because they're going to press a button. Up's going to come up a familiar interface of their cloud-based workspace with the icons that they've seen all along. They click the icon and be into it. They, don't, they may never know that you've, you've gone from one provider to another you know, because the ideal user experience. Know, because they don't care. 
They right. don't want to know. It's a doctor could care less on where the application is. The doctor wants to know, can I get information to then spend more bedside time talking with that patient? Uh, I, I think of, uh, especially, uh, again, even with, with telehealth, we've talked about a, a bunch, but the, the experiences I've had personally within healthcare over the last two years and that friends have as their parents are getting older, more time is spent on the telehealth in terms of the, the personal aspect. It's not doing the medical stuff. It's connecting with the individual. Same thing bedside inside uh, hospitals and clinics. It's being able to have the technology really as, as we kind of start off here, Carl, talking about that. Let's not talk about that. It's get what we need very quickly from these devices, whether they're handheld devices, whether it's on a cart, whether it's mounted to the wall. And then let's spend time with the patient, especially since we're talking healthcare here. And that's that's the big goal. Yeah, and, and I want to hand it up to Chris because I mentioned I said press the button, but perhaps was, I misspoke. Because really, in healthcare, it's you walk in and swipe the badge. And, and Chris, maybe you know it'd be a great time to talk about the work we're doing with Improvada and, and, and how easy that is. Yeah, that there's a couple of stories. I'll talk about it in just a second. Um, the the story I, that came to mind was walking the floor uh, where where we were looking at what they were using technology wise and how they were using it. How many logins did they have doing a sort of an assessment what we had somebody that was a, a nurse on our staff and and he was also observing other things going on and while we were there uh he kind of pulled us aside quietly and he said hey just want to let you know um uh, that family is getting really bad news right now um they're saying goodbye and you we all kind of paused because we realized that you know the information that was being shared was coming from the computers where they were getting that and then having to go and talk to that family. And you, you begin to realize that, Hey, we're, we're putting technology in places where it just, it has to work. Right. Because, you know, it could be good news, bad news. It could be no news, whatever it might be. But if it, you know, if it affects that, I mean, you, then you got to deal with that. Um, but at the end is that human factor. Um, and to that point um, from my years, you know, kind of, Working in that industry with with Improvada, we learned very quickly. It was about the year of 2007, right? When when we saw um, a deliberate approach to, hey, we want to make it a lot easier to get into this system, and we have these badges and sort of this rise of what became known as tap and go. You walk up, you take that badge that you use to get in the building or parking garage or pay for your meals or whatever, and use that to authenticate, identify yourself. And what was driving this was, you know, uh, there was all these systems that had applications and passwords. And so who was the user using that? Couldn't be a nurse logging in as a doctor and vice versa. There's all this security measures around it. And of course, with um, uh, with HIPAA and, and the HIPAA security rules and all this stuff, that was sort of the precursor to the high tech act. And so, you know, but with all these passwords in your in your way, it was very difficult, especially if you're getting prompted to change that password, interrupting your thoughts as you're trying to figure out what's going on with this patient. Um, so uh, being able to remove those things and help them just think about that problem they're trying to solve um, collaboratively in many cases and making it easier to walk up, just tap, and you're in. And um, and then, of course, when they're finished, just tap and you're out. And your workspace, that digital workspace you're using, remains connected or, or maybe it just parks itself. And then when you need to get back to it. And so that be has become sort of that expected thing just like you know when you use your chip card right you can tap it or insert it and it's a very quick user experience to get in and out and pay for that um versus a cash transaction right i carry cash but only an emergency basis you know i i'm very digital in my currency these days 
for for various reasons, especially when you're navigating an airport. But that that experience is sort of driven. And so what we're working on now is advancing the call. We've been integrated with Improvada for 10 years now plus. Um, and the way we initially integrated, different use cases have emerged. A lot of that's being driven by uh, the adoption of the cloud and healthcare. And so we've got this project we announced a few weeks ago at the Microsoft Ignite conference that we've, we're bringing a tap and go into uh, an Azure virtual desktop or Windows 365 desktop to healthcare um, or, or other industries if they so choose. Um, and that obviously and other things that are doing that, we're, we're doing some work with Horizon and Citrix as well as part of that project. But uh, to kind of fill in some of those gaps where we have, weren't able to address a, a specific use case, that's really what it's come down to is I walk up, what do I need to do? Okay, great. Can I do that when I'm using IGEL on that endpoint? If you can't, that's what we're working on trying to solve. And that's part of what's behind this project. It's very exciting to be part of it, to be honest. It's um Near and dear to my heart, I'll just say that. All right, Chris. Well, I do appreciate that. And and in good place for us to wrap up just for today. We we want the conversation to continue. I want to tell you that iGel really does have an ecosystem. It's their iGel Ready program. Uh, other healthcare vendors, these are uh, peripheral makers. They've got analytics vendors, all happy to chat more about what iGel. And again, this ecosystem is doing. The team also lets you try the iGel software for free in your environment. You can even get your hands on pre-trial devices. We're talking laptops or all-in-ones. Simply head to connection.com forward slash iGel, I-G-E-L, iGel, and scroll down to the bottom, fill out the form. Then I'll encourage you to scroll back up on that page. You'll see some white papers, some customer success stories, other things that you can check out about the iGel team. But uh, again, connection.com forward slash iGel. With that, I want to thank you all for listening to this Tech Experience Solutions podcast. As always, like, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And we will close things down at this point. Thanks again for listening. Be well, and we do look forward to talking to you all down the road.